Praise God. Now, those confessions, like I saw the ushers giving some of them out. They're back there on our tables. And they're also, if you go to the website or the app, they're on there so you can get that. Now, that, that confession, I tell you, it really is a prayer. And it's something you ought to do every day. And just, you know, I mean, man, isn't that, isn't that the perfect prayer? And just keep that thing going and going and going and going. Amen. Okay, well, I'm lost here. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm losing it. There we go. Okay, here we go. All right, now a really good preacher, highly trained professional, usually takes a message, gives you a little tidbit at the first, builds on the message, gets it all done to an explosive thing right at the end where everybody's on the edge of their seats. That's the way you're supposed to give a good message. But this morning, I'm doing it completely backwards. If you don't catch what I'm saying in the first few minutes of this message, well then, you know, you're, 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 you've missed it, okay? Because it's all right here at the first, it, it, what I'm going to tell you. And so what happened this week is I was reading just all my daily reading, and I, I was reading Proverbs 21, and I got down to verse 31. And you know how the biggest problem that you have in reading is a lot of times when you have verses that you're familiar with, you tend to, you know, just go through them real quick, just kind of glaze over it, you know, like, oh, I know what that said, you know. And so... Uh, Proverbs 21, 31 says that the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the deliverance is of the Lord. Or some of them say the victories of the Lord. And so I, I read that and I was just like, oh yeah, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, the victory belongs to the Lord. And then I was going to the next one. And the Holy Ghost said, stop, go back and look at that. And I was like, okay. So I went back and I was reading. I said, okay, what? I mean, I've read it so many times. I know it, you know, by heart. And so what, what's, what's the big deal about the horse is prepared for the day of battle? And what I saw was that I really hadn't really noticed a lot because I've always read the scripture and then immediately said, ah, see, God won the victory. So no matter what you did, God's going to win the victory. Amen. Praise God. But it says the horse is prepared for the day of battle and the horse got prepared. In other words, they had to saddle the horse. You following me here? The horse had to get prepared like Jehoshaphat when God did the miracle and he put the praise and worship band out in front uh, and, and went out singing and the enemy was destroyed. But the army was still there. The army had to get prepared. They had to get their sword, had to get their shield, had to get their spear, had to get whatever. The horse had to get saddled. The armor had to get put on. Everything had to take place. You went through a process of going to the battle, ready for battle, but God brought the deliverance. And what I, felt, what I felt like the Holy Ghost was telling me is that in these days that we're in where things are so, you know, I mean, we've never prepared for this. Nobody sat around saying, you know, Lord, there's going to be a virus on the face of the earth. How do I prepare myself for this? Oh, there's going to be riots. How do I prepare myself for this? Nobody, we don't think those things. You're usually thinking about, oh, you know, your job, your boss, your family, your children, your grandchildren, your life, your, you know, you know what I'm saying? That's the normal confrontations you have every every day every week every in, in just life going on friends that are hurting things that happen in people's lives that's what we're usually dealing with you start adding all this other stuff on top i mean it's one thing you know you used to just have to worry about going to san antonio and having a wreck right now oh now you go to san antonio just to go shopping and do something you know you got to worry about are there any riots going on is anybody looting around there you know going to catch a deadly virus you know good gosh 
It's hard, life's hard enough to worry with and all this other stuff. And a lot of times I find myself just mad. I'm just mad at the situation. I'm not mad at the end, you know, necessarily the people. I'm just mad like, I don't, I got enough things to deal with. I don't need to be dealing with this stupid thing. Hello, do y'all feel that way? Okay. So in that, the Lord was saying, there's some things that you got to, you need to do to talk, talking to the church about preparing their horse. So I said, okay, so this is the first message. I don't know if this is a series. I have no earthly idea. I'm just going to launch off of this, but I'm going to tell you everything right up front. Okay. The title of this message is What If? All right. We're going to deal with what if this morning, playing the game of what if. Sitting around saying, well, what if this happens? Well, what if that happens? Well, what if I'm going to, what if, what if, what if, okay? That's what I'm dealing with today, is getting you delivered from playing the game of what if, all right? Okay, the, the sentence, it's not really a sentence, but the piece of a sentence, what if, it leads you to despair right off the bat. What if always leads you to despair, okay? So I started looking this up. I started trying to do a little English. You know, I, 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 I always figured when, when I was going through high school and they were giving me English lessons, like, why am I taking English lessons? I mean, Lord, I, 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 if I know how to speak, why are we talking about, I don't care that it's a preposition or a, you know, adjective or a verb or a noun, just, it's English, just speak. I mean, what's the big deal? And so I, I never could get into taking English. I had to take English, but you know. Somebody was doing my work. So, so now I have to learn what I'm trying to teach y'all. I have to learn all these things. So what is a question? What? It's a question. Okay. What if is a question followed by a conditional word? All right. Now this is, I, I got this out of, you know, Webster's. Okay. What is a, what? The word what? What? It's a question. What? It's a question, right? Followed by a conditional word, if, meaning assumption or doubt or past experiences. <laughs> you think about what you just said. When you say, what if we go broke? What if my you know, wife leaves me? What if I lose my job? What if I get the coronavirus? What if? The rioters come. You start playing that game and saying what if and looking at that. If you're, you're asking a question followed by an assumption of doubt based on your past experience. So what you're literally doing is spewing questionable. You're questioning God and spewing doubt and unbelief right out of your mouth when you start playing the game of what if. Oh, well, what if? Now, the only way I could find what if being used in a positive perspective would be if you were, you know, building a trailer and you said, okay, if we weld this two inch angle iron on here, what if it breaks? See, then you're kind of, that's just kind of like a neutral because you're just preparing because what if it happened, but you're still looking at something bad happening. You don't, you don't do the same thing, weld up a trailer and then you say, Oh, what if this thing turns to gold? Most of the time it has a negative connotation to it. When you say what if, it has a negative connotation to it. Now you could say, if it rains today, you'll get wet. 
which you're basing it on past experience. You were in the rain and got wet. So you could be using it kind of in this past, but in a positive sense, saying as a preparation to have an umbrella, but you're still assuming it's going to be bad. Okay? So what we need to do is we need to replace what if in our lives and the game the devil wants to play with you. Now, y'all are looking at me kind of funny. Do y'all not? Do you not ever have? Do you not ever play what if? Huh? We need to replace the game of what if to the verbiage of when. When God moves, when we get the revelation, when the promise manifests, when our enemies are put down, when the victory becomes mine. No more what if, it's when. All of a sudden, you just took yourself out of the realm of doubt and unbelief, and you just put yourself into the realm of faith. Hello? So you could be sitting around saying, somebody says, are you concerned your store may get looted? And you say, when the angel shows up, that'll be taken care of. When they march down the street, they will be blind at my store. I got to reading and just got to looking up one day about how many times in the Bible people were struck blind. Couldn't find their ways trying to attack something and they couldn't find it because they were struck blind. God uses that a lot. It would be a proper prayer to be playing God when you when the riders come down, when the riders come to the street. No, what if the riders come down? When the riders come down the street, I thank you, Lord, they will go blind at my store and they will not loot it. That would be a proper prayer. Line up with the scriptures perfectly. But see, the devil wants to come in there and he wants to twist it around on us and he wants to turn it to you to be playing the game of what if. So what if is going on in your head because you're assuming the worst. <gasps> what, if they what if they loot my store? <gasps> what if? You follow me? That's what the devil always wants to play on you. He wants to get you playing what if because what if puts you on the ground of, of doubt and unbelief. And God moves over here on the ground of faith. All right? Okay. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Look what the devil did to Jesus. Let me just show you that you are not immune from playing what if. None of us are immune from, from the what if tactics. The devil did it to Jesus Christ himself in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says, then, the devil, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. He said, If. He was questioning right there who Jesus was. I'm going to read this and we'll go into something a little different. But he answered and he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said, If, everybody say if, you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hand they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It's written again, You shall not, be tempt, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again the devil took him onto the exceeding high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and their glory, and he said to him, All these things I will give you, if... You will fall down and worship me. You see this? Three times. He's saying if, 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 if. The devil is the king of if. 
When you start playing the game of if, you just got over in his territory. You're playing his game. It's like trying to play in a, in a, on a pool table, and you've got, and the pool table's slanted, and you're having to always shoot uphill, and he's shooting his downhill. I mean, he's got you playing his game. The minute you say if, you've got to change your verbiage into when. God moves. When. I walk in victory when the Holy Ghost shows up, when the revelation comes. You got to change it to when. You got to get yourself over into the area of faith. If you're going to prepare your horse for the day of battle, you've got to get into faith. And so that you've got to understand the tactics of the enemy. Look, he's not going to show up at your house, manifest outside with a pitchfork in his little hoof and clothes, and you know, he ain't going to do that. He's going to attack you in the head. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's going to attack you in the head. You're going to get out there and say, oh, today's going to be a great day. And then all of a sudden there's a phone call. All of a sudden there's a text. All of a sudden there's an email. All of a sudden there's something to cause you to have. <gasps> and then that he wants to get you to play the game of it. That's what he wants to do. <gasps> what if I go pray for somebody and they don't get healed? <gasps> what, if, what if I'm believing God and nothing happens? <gasps> what if I, you know, I, 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 I go broke? <gasps> what if, you see, that's what he wants to get you. He wants to get you in that place because he knows in that place, in that position, in those verbiage and in that war in your head, you will not have victory. And as long as he can keep you playing his game, you're going to be in despair. All right? So then Jesus said to Satan, away with, uh, away with you, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and the angels came and ministered to him. Three times the devil came to Jesus, three times he said, if, and three times Jesus spoke the word of God back to him, and it was over with. There was no bloody battle, there was no bloody strength, it was just, was, are you going to believe that what God's promises to you are true, versus are you going to play the game of what if? Okay, doubt's the problem. So that's the point. We're going to have communion here in just a minute. And if, if you've been playing the game of what if, you within, I'm telling you, you need to repent for doubt and unbelief. End of the story. That's what the message is about today. Repenting for doubt and unbelief. All right. Mark 9, 23. Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. Woo! If you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. If you can get yourself into the realm of faith. If you can get yourself into the realm of when God moves, nothing's impossible to you. As long as you're playing what if, you're going to be defeated. And then the father child cried out with his tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That needs to be some of our prayers this morning. Lord, help my unbelief. I sat this morning on my porch just looking over the hills and praying for all of y'all. And as I was praying, I was just thinking about how many times the devil has tricked me into playing the game of what if, when I should have just stopped and remembered all the times God has blessed me in life. God has pulled me out. God has done a miracle. God has done something. Why do we as human beings think that even after God's done so much for us that he's not going to do it again? Why do we do that? What's wrong with us? All of us, myself included, what is wrong with us? Sometimes I just cry out and say, what is the matter with me? How did you get me deceived over there? And I get so mad because the devil tricked me. I get to play in what if, and then I miss into despair, and then I'm just all down in the dumps and kicking the dirt and thinking, man, what is going on, God? What is that? And then all of a sudden I'll stop and say, what have I done? 
Why did I let myself get led down this trail? What am I doing? Shut up, devil. You lie, no good, slew foot. You fork tongue sucker. You got me playing what if. No, when my God provides. And all of a sudden, I feel my whole environment around me change. I feel my spirit right man rising up. I feel myself going back and I'm like, what am I talking about? I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. What do you got me even thinking this kind of stupid stuff for? And I'm mad at myself because I, I fell into the trap. I fell into the trap of what if. Instead of staying in faith and saying, when God moves. If you're going to have your horse prepared for the day of battle, well, then you better be into the, the, to the realms of when and the verbiage of when. Okay? You better get out of what if. I want you all to recognize that today. That's the point of the whole message. Recognizing don't play the game of what if. Get out of it. It's not going to lead you anywhere except into the pit of despair. Okay? James 1.5. Doubt makes us unstable. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, not doubting, for he who doubts is like the waves of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let that man suppose that he will, will, not, that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Doubt makes you unstable. And what happens when you are unstable? You fall. I mean, who? Uh, come on. I, I see the world right now. It is crazy. There's all kinds of craziness going on in the world. And you can read all the, the headlines and you can sit there all day long and read all the stuff and all the craziness going on and all the this, that, and the other, and the riots and the looting and the, 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 the things that we see that are, we know are wrong and taking place and things with this and things with that and things with this official and things with that official and this and that and the other. You're right. And you can look at it and say, all oh, the world's in chaos. But then I have to stop and say, well, wait a minute, God, you formed this world and I'm in it. And no matter what goes on, I'm going to walk in victory. I may be discomforted at times, but I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to get out of my whatever the discomforting situation is. I'm going to go on to victory because I go from victory to victory to victory. This is what the word says. The word says that, that, if, that if I was to, this, was, this river was to dry up, there's another river open up over here. Right? Elijah went down by the brook. The, the angels, came, the, the ravens came and fed him, and then the brook dried up, and so he went to another place. You, can, you might have to move from place to place. You might. I see a lot of Christians, they want to stay at the brook crying because it dried up, praying, digging, speaking, commanding water to come up, commanding the things to rise. Why is your word working, Lord? I shouldn't be able to command water to come. Well, because he wanted you to go to the woman at Zarephath so you could help her. But we're not thinking about that. See, most of the time our world all revolves around what we want and how we want it and how we want it to come. And we forget that we're servants of the Most High God to do his bidding. We're vessels of his spirit, hands to do his work and mouths to speak his words. We make it all about us. Sorry. It's a great message today preaching on communion, you know, because y'all come up here. You can repent for getting mad at me and you can repent for everything else, man. It's great. We're going to have communion. And everything's going to be OK. But I'm telling you, it's the truth. It's me, too. I, I do this. I fall into this. OK. Hebrews eleven six tells us that faith is God's way. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So are you not diligently seeking the Lord anymore? Because it just says, he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So then that means everybody that diligently seeks him gets the reward. Hello? So God's still there giving the blessing out. Right. God's still there shoving out blessing, shoving out blessing. But the only ones that are getting here are those that are diligently coming to him and seeking him. God's not changing. If anything's changing, it's you changing. You are not diligent anymore. Right. Because what if took you over there to sit down in your easy chair to just sit there and meditate on the disaster that could happen? Or how bad things are, how bad your situation is, or oh, woe is me. Now, let me give you these three things. When the devil tempted Jesus, the three things that he questioned when he used if, he says, if you're the son of God, the first one, he questioned who you are. Have you forgot that you're born again? You're washing the blood of Jesus. You're children of God, sons of the most high God, that you are the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. That the good hand of God is upon you, that he said he would never leave you nor forsake you. That if you die, you're going to heaven. First thing he's going to attack. He's going to attack who you are. That somehow or another you've lost your status. Folks, listen, you're either saved or you're not. You're either headed to hell or headed to heaven. There ain't no other choice. Right? You're either in the family or not. Quit thinking that the, you, you letting the devil talk you out of your salvation, your benefits as a Christian. You have as much of a voice to God right now as you do. When you, you know, messed up, if you're still in the family, your voice hadn't changed, your position hadn't changed. Just the enemy's got you by the tail and he's twisting it. Second one is, when he went to Jesus, he, he, he said, if, basically he said, if the promise is true. That's what he was saying to him, if the promise is true. So the, the second place the devil's going to trust you is, is, is the word of God true? I promise you, you can go on the internet today and you can start searching and you can find just about every, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, every crazy thought, every, every theological, how they think God is out there. There's God's an angry God. God's not going to answer prayer. God's, and they'll back it all up with scripture. They'll put it in there. And I got to noticing something and y'all just watch this. Okay. The people that are preaching that God won't answer prayer, they don't seem very happy. They usually seem angry. The ones that think God's angry, they're angry. And you start looking at the spirit of the person delivering it. And you can see right off the bat if what they're preaching is the truth. But there is everything in the world. I mean, there's, there's, they go through, they list preachers they don't like, preachers that aren't preaching good things, people taking people over to the word of faith, word of faith leading people astray. You're not supposed to be in the word of faith. Well, then what are you supposed to be in? That's all my question is. If God says that you're supposed to be, you know, I'm not saying everything and everybody does is correct in the word of faith movement, but I'm just saying if you're not supposed to be in learning about faith, and it says, Hebrews 11 says that you're supposed to, faith is what pleases God. It seems to me you should be learning about faith and that would be called the word of faith. I don't like that prosperity doctrine. Okay, well then be poor and shut up. 
I mean, good gosh, enjoy it. Embrace it. Live in a mud hut and just shut up. I don't understand why you have to go put everybody else in the world down in order to make yourself elevated. It's just wrong. My point is, is you've got to, for yourself, know what the Word of God says and is it true. You need to not be led by men. You need to be led by the Holy Ghost into the Word of God. And the only way you're going to do that is to sit down and spend time reading your Bible with the Holy Spirit, asking Him to illuminate and show you everything, not because someone told you this is what it said, but because the Holy Spirit has revealed to you what it says. If you have questions about the things uh, uh, of the Bible, then ask the Holy Ghost to reveal it to you, show it to you. And He will if you're sincere and diligent. I have no problem with that. Don't take my word. Go read the word. I got, I, I'm not scared at all for a person to sit down saying, Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me the truth of the word of God? I want to read this with a pure heart and I mean it. I'm not scared at all that person will get led astray. Forever they taught us lay people couldn't read the Bible because you couldn't understand it. You weren't smart enough to know what it was saying. But I'm telling you what, that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. And there is nobody, I don't care what your intelligence level is, that cannot read the Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to explain things to you and, and get it down. I never forget one time I heard a man testifying, and he was talking about the uh, fruit of the Spirit. And he said, I've been praying about the fruit of the Spirit, and I really want the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And, and I was praying through this the other day, and I said, Lord, you know, I need more love. I need more peace. I need more patience. But, Lord, I see I've got this one, long-suffering. Yes, Lord, I have been suffering long. And I just kind of chuckled to myself and I said, well, guess you can apply it that way. <laughs> just suffer long. At least you're seeking the fruit of the Spirit. But my point is, is, man, just pray and ask the Holy Ghost and he'll show you. And then you'll know what the truth is. And then the third thing that he said, he said, if you'll worship me. Now, let me put it to you this like this. He questioned that the world's way is better than the gospel way. He questioned that the world's way is better than the gospel way. And we all get challenged with that. We want to take matters into our own hands. We look at people that are lying and cheating and twisting things around in the world. And we think that we could might get ahead if we did it, step on somebody else to get ahead, whatever. However you look at it, that the world's got a better way, a world system's got a better way than we do. Bring justice with our fist. And we start putting down that God's way is better. So my point is, I don't want to worship the devil. I don't want to give place to him. Those are the three ways that he's going to attack you. The three ways that he's going to come into your life and he's going to attack you in those three areas. Okay? He's going to come there and he's going to question. He's going to get you to question who you are. He's going to get you to question the truth of God's word. And then he's going to get you to question that the world's got a better system than God does. Are you all with me? That's what happens when you play the game of what if. That's what he's going to do. It's going to come that way. If he's going to use those tactics on Jesus, he's going to use those tactics on you. That's his, that's the way he's going to do it. I was thinking about this the other day, how that a hundred years ago, I would think that every young man raised by his father would have been taught to track animals because that's what you got to eat, right? I'm talking about out here in the woods, right? 
You would have been taught all the tracking skills. The, the father would have taught his son, you know, look, here is, you know, look, here's the footprints. Here's where they're coming to water. Look, here's where they're eating. Here's where they're going. All these things would have been taught the son so that he could have provided food for his family when he grew up. But nowadays, you know, we don't do that. All you got to do is have enough tracking sense to find a H-E-B or something, you know. Try not to get run over by somebody with their basket, and that's all we're doing. That's our, that's our tracking skills, trying to find it. Right? I mean, think about it. What do they, we put signs that direct you to where it is. So anyway, and so we lost that skill of, of being able to look at things and assess things and to track. But if we stop and take this message this morning and back up and look at tracking the devil and him getting us off. Starting to use this message as becoming aware of signs that we're seeing. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, that's a devil footprint right there. He's trying to slip in here. Start catching it immediately when, when it comes to our minds. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, so you're trying to slip in there. I see the signs. I see what's going on. I'm tracking you. I know what's taking place. You're not going to get me. You ain't going to go down that road. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, you start catching it quicker. And you start putting an end to it before it has time to mess with you, right? Okay, so this is the good part to make you feel a little bit better, okay? I want to show you somebody in the Bible who blew it. So 1 Kings 18, the story of Elijah here. 1 Kings 18, 38. I'm just going to go through it. You go, go read the whole chapter if you want to get it all because I don't want to take up too much time reading the whole thing. It's a great story, one of my favorites. So Elijah's going, he's, he's, he's having a, a standoff with the prophets of Baal. They're up on Mount Carmel. He's made an altar. He's about to sacrifice the altar to the Lord. And so Elijah prays, and he says, And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and it licked up the water that was on the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their face, and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. So in other words, He brought revival in that moment, in that second through the miracle. He literally called fire down from heaven. It consumed the altar. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, wouldn't you think? Right? That's pretty big deal. You just turned the whole hearts of the nation to all the prophets of Baal were there. They had killed them all. They put an end to it. In other words, all the devil worship got put down. All God got exalted. Everything got brought back up. You would have thought Elijah had been standing there all puffed up like, whoo, I am the man of God. Don't mess with me. All right. So that wasn't quite enough. Verse 41. I'm still in 1 Kings 18, 41. There'd been a drought on the land. Elijah walks to the top of the hill and he says, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. He knelt down, he prayed, he told the young man, go up and look. He said, you know, he went seven times up on the hill and finally he said, there's a cloud about the size of a man's hand up there. Elijah said, it's done. Looked at Ahab, the wicked king, says, I will tell you what, it's going to rain before you can get to the house. Started to rain. Second big miracle. Huge miracle. Huge miracle taking place. It's called fire down from heaven. Now he's broken the drought. Third one happens in verse 46. It says, Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Ahab was in a chariot. Supernatural anointing came on 
on, on Elijah, he, he, he took his, I guess his man skirt. I don't know what you do. Whip that thing up in there. He got both his legs out. And then by the spirit of God, just took off running faster than the horses and the chairs. Because third miracle, supernatural event taking place in this man's life. You would have thought his, he'd have been swelled up, man. He'd have just been like, I mean, he is the, 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 the prophet of prophets, right? So look in chapter 19, 1 Kings 19, 1. So Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and now he had executed all the prophets of the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger. She sent a messenger. She sent a messenger. She didn't go do it herself. She sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if you do not make your life as one of the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose, he ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. What happened? How did this man of God who just called fire down from heaven, broke the drought, and then ran supernaturally before the chariot, saw the power of God on him like that. How did this messenger say that to him? And then all of a sudden it says, he saw that. He saw it. In other words, she said these words, the messenger translated them. He heard those words because she questioned all three of those things. You're not a man of God, right? That I just told you about. You're not a son of God. You're not at all because he just called fire down from heaven. The word of God's not true. God said he'd protect him. I mean, he should have just said, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm going to smoke you in all your house. If I don't burn you out, I'll drown you. And if you try to catch me, you can't. Wouldn't you think that? But those words right there, the guy spoke it, the messenger spoke it, and he said he saw it. In his mind, he saw Jezebel killing him. It was so powerful to him. He saw it. And he takes off. He took off all the time. He had the power of God with him. He had what he needed with him, but he left and he ran. Folks, listen to me. We've done it too. I'm giving you the example. We've done it too. You've been standing there with the ability to believe God. You've been standing there with the God with you because he said he's always going to be with you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. But your emotions got involved. Your soul got involved. You got tired. You got whatever. You got weary. You got down. You forgot about God. You just didn't feel. You didn't feel it. Somebody said the other day that they were tested, uh, for, uh, that they tested positive for the coronavirus and they, they were saying that their symptoms were they had a, they've had a headache and they uh, just felt tired. That's all they had for a couple of weeks. I said, well, if that's, a, <laughs> if that's the symptoms, I probably have had that for the last six months. <laughs> a headache and being tired, I mean, goodness. But my point is, you get down, you get, dis you know, just because of the physical, just the heat, just the whatever. You just hear the news that it's supposed to be a triple digits next week. And you say, I'm tired. <laughs> Hello? Come on. You just sit there and say, oh, God, I don't want to go. Everything looks bad. Everything's depressing. It's going to be triple digits. All you can see is 100, 101, 100. And somebody, said, somebody said, our heart is going to be 106, you know. And then we, it's like fishing. Our heart is going to be 110. Oh, it's all bigger out there, you know. Just keep getting bigger and bigger. Hello? 
Until we see it. We see ourselves sweating. We see ourselves dead on our hands and knees. See ourselves walking back in it anymore. Oh God. And he hadn't even got out there in the heat yet. Because you see it. The, the word comes to you, it gets in you, it starts going around, you've been playing what if, and then it's all built up, and it's all out of proportion, and this is all crazy. And nothing has happened. So Elijah ran, and then he takes the other servant, the servant that was with him, that was a, you know, could have been a good servant, he leaves him, so I don't just go on. I can't do it no more. You know, and if you go read the whole story, he goes and crawls under a cedar tree. Well, give me a break, you know. Couldn't have found someplace better than that. And he, and he starts praying, God, just let me die. Just let me die like all my brothers. There's no one left on the earth but me. Goes up to the mountain. God's, God shows up. Rocks are flying everywhere. Tornadoes are going everywhere. Fires everywhere. And he's saying to God, who's doing all of that? There's nobody left. Nothing good's going to happen anymore. The whole mountain's getting torn up by the power of God. You see how far you can go? You see how far the devil can deceive you? He's standing there while miracles are taking place and still can't see the hand of God. Because the devil exploited his weakness. There was something inside of Elijah that was a weakness that he felt alone. Because when God showed up on the mountain, he told Elijah, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I've got 5,000 other prophets that I've had protected. You're not the only one. There's 5,000 other people. Sometimes the devil wants to make you convince you're the last Christian on earth. You're the only one trying to stand in faith. No one has ever walked my road. Really? Really? Come on now. That's, that, that's what the devil's doing to you. It's the game of what if. He's trying to get you into the pit of despair. And Elijah, this great prophet who called fire down from heaven, broke the drought and had the uh, supernatural event of a running like that all on him, he fell for it. So I'm just telling you, we're not immune. But we got the power of the Holy Ghost, and we got the blood of Jesus, and we stand in a better place, spiritual position than he did. Okay, now if you go read down in Acts 19, 15. So the Lord speaks to him and tells him what to do. Then the Lord said, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you've arrived, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. You should also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Saphath, of Abel, Meholah, shall, you shall anoint as a prophet in your place. What he did was he gave him a friend. He gave him Elisha, the prophet, to be his friend. Someone that would learn from him, stand by him, and help him all those days. Okay? And sometimes that, well, that's what we need in life is a friend. Somebody to speak the word of God to you. That's what I'm trying to be to you this morning, your friend, and tell you to get your horse prepared for the day of battle because the day of battle is on us. That's good. The day of battle is going to come to They're going to want to convince you that as a Christian you're a bad person because you won't get off of the gospel. It's coming, church. The day will come when they will kill you and think that they're doing service to God. It's what Jesus said. The day is coming to where you as a Christian who just says, well, I just believe everyone needs to believe in Jesus Christ. and say, you're a horrible person because you won't let people believe whatever they want to believe. But I know what the word says. Are you following me? You better get your horse prepared for the day of battle. You better get yourself solid and quit playing what if. And you better quit yourself out there and these, these, these things of thinking that the enemy's got so many tricks and wiles and schemes that he's going to be able to beat you or beat the, the power of the Holy Ghost or beat. Well, listen to me, folks. It ain't going to happen. 
I'm telling you, God is going to have victory. He'll have victory in the, in the hearts of every person that will stand in faith. My only prayer is that I will go down in life as a martyr who was martyred for Jesus and, and went out, you know, like I should. Not cussing, throwing dirt, spitting, throwing rocks and firing off my gun at everything that's around me. You know what I mean? I'd like to be a little holy as I go down. Just throw down to the revert to the old ways of cussing and fighting, you know what I mean? Like I, it just got to, I got to see something happen, you know what I mean? I wanna, I'm believing God to be holy that moment. And it's questionable. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you, it's, it's a questionable one there, okay? Of which way I'm going to fall. But anyway, so to just in ending this, let me just show you, the, okay, Acts 16, 25, the opposite of this is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul did not play what if. He didn't mess around playing what if. He understood the wiles of the devil. He understood the tricks and the schemes of the devil. He always turned it all around. Even when he was in prison and they were mocking him in prison, he laughed and said, yeah, those guys out there mocking me, at least they're preaching the gospel. What a good attitude, right? What a man of faith. He said, yeah, they're mocking me out there, but they're saying Jesus, they're saying the cross, they're saying all this stuff. So it's getting out, praise God. So here's Acts 25. You can go read the story. Paul and Silas at midnight in the jail, thrown into the prison, in shackles, been there in chains. They should have just been saying, man, where is God? What has God done for us? How could we have ended up in this place? How could we have ended up in this dungeon? How could we have ended up? Lord, what have you done? Why have you forsaken me? Why am I stuck here in the stocks like this with my head stuck in here? Lord, they're going to kill us tomorrow. It doesn't look good. Why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? No, that wasn't them. They're in the stocks. They're singing hymns. They were singing hymns and praying. All the, all the, 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 uh, the people in prison there and their cells were listening to what was going on. There they are stuck in the stocks praying, worshiping God. And then there was suddenly a sound. Earthquake shakes it. All the doors pop open. Jailer runs in. Said, oh, he's going to kill himself. Paul said, don't kill yourself. He's still stuck in the stocks, preaching the gospel, getting somebody saved. He's still got his head locked in there and looking at all this. Hey, don't kill yourself. We're all down here. Come on down here. Let's get saved. Wow. That's the way we should be. You following me, church? It's only the difference of what are you going to be thinking in your head? Are you going to play the what if game or are you going to play when God moves? It's up to you. God will move. God will bring it about. Isaiah 55, 11 says, my word, whoo, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what it, I please. It shall prosper in the thing which I send. And God's word's never going to fail. Luke 16, 17 says, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one little tittle of God's word not to come to pass. Then Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, man, the words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. In other words, the words that I speak, they're eternal. They will not quit. They are going out forever. They have the power to deliver, the power to set free. But are we going to play what if or are we going to play when God moves? So the next time, and what I'm, what I'm, we're all going to have communion right now. And the next time the devil comes to you and wants you to play what if, you just start to say, no, 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 I have another game. Let's play when God moves, let's play that one, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. 
the God of dung hill. Let's play that. The one who's thrown into the lake of fire. Let's play when God moves. And you watch what if your whole attitude, your whole life, you don't feel the breath of the Holy Spirit blow on you and you feel everything get rejuvenated and you start to disbelieve God and start to see God move. Amen. So then your horse is prepared for the day of battle. And then the deliverance of it, it's God's business. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. Well, now we're going to have a chance to repent. I don't know, does everybody does everybody in here have your communion? Everybody's got what you need. If not, we've got some, I'm sure, still in the back. Lift your hand, raise it up. I'm, I'm sorry for these. I, I don't like this. And I pray this is the last time we have to have communion like this. But I just believe in God that his power is enough to take care of this communion this morning. If you're out there at home right now, get your communion, get your, 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 your bread and your juice and get it with you right now. This is a powerful thing, church, that I'm telling you this morning. Don't, don't take it lightly. I'm telling you, don't play with the wiles and the schemes of the devil. Don't give him any place. And that's what communion's all about. Communion is all about us coming to this time to just sit down and reflect upon what God's saying and let him set us free. Amen. You know that Jesus had this communion so that we could, it could be a perpetual thing. get my knife out for, for communion but new day for everything so if you fought that little plastic off and got your communion your wafer Jesus he instituted communion for us to be an eternal thing so that we could always have the presence of the Lord with us wherever we are at every moment and have communion. Communion to commune, to fellowship with Him. I believe in the supernatural power of communion that by faith right now, the Spirit of God touches each and every one of our hearts. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, you know, He took bread, He blessed it he broke it he gave it to his disciples and he said now take and eat for this is my body which is broken for you Jesus body on the cross broken for each and every one of us so we could be healed so we could be delivered so that Isaiah 53 could be real in our lives and so with that in mind and that faith take this your bread and eat it in Jesus name
then afterwards he took the cup. Oh, this is so powerful. He took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. This cup being the representation of the blood of Jesus that washed away your sins forever. So take a moment right now and what the Holy Ghost has laid on your heart, repent. Just simply repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry I got doubt and unbelief. I'm sorry I played the game of what if. I'm sorry I played the game of what if. And then take it and drink it and be forgiven in Jesus' mighty name. Stand if you would, church. For those of you watching the broadcast today, I just want to tell you, I know God's right there with you. I know His power is there with you. And He'll move mountains for you. Just get in faith. For those of you in here, can I have my prayer team come down? A couple of prayer team people this morning. If you're here and you want prayer, you need prayer for anything, we're here to pray with you and agree with you. But be encouraged today because you have learned the schemes of the enemy. You've learned today what you need to do for victory. Amen? And you've learned today can't be stopped. So look at the person beside you and say, man, you're leaving here smarter. So Father, I just declare right now over this congregation that Lord, they are blessed. Your hand is upon them. We understand the wiles and the schemes of the enemy today. And we're not going to play what if. We're going to play when God moves. And we're going to see victory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.